Lauren Vaughn and the Metabolic Studio offers the Explorers Club to share meaningful journeys, encounters, and projects in an intimate setting at the Metabolic Studio. Session 29, September 29, 2016, features Millie Mason Moore presenting Seed Banks in California and the Southwest. Let's tune in, connect, and listen. Ladies and gentlemen, great afternoon and welcome to Explorers Club number 29. Today is September 29 and our subject today will be about seed banks in California and in the Southwest. Now, you guys are probably also wondering why are we researching seed banks? Well, in the near future, we will be building a seed bank at a site that we call the Moon, which is a, it's a location that we just acquired, which is located across the, the river, just on the other side of the river, and that is where we're currently experimenting how to remediate soil, water, and uh, with different methods, such as sound and vibration and phytoremediation with um, plants and so forth. So. Uh, hence the reason why I wanted to really uh, uh, research these seed banks. And these seed banks are very well known. Some of them are probably familiar to some of you and some of them are not. But let us begin. Okay. So does everybody know who this amazing woman is? Vandana Shiva. Vandana Shiva. And I love this quote from Vandana. It says, seed is not just the source of life. It is the foundation of our being. So at the moment, I'm going to ask you to just put your palm out. Okay. I'm going to be passing around a couple of these dormant seeds. And I want you to really look at these dormant seeds. If you can identify them, that's awesome. If you can't, no worries. I'll help you identify them myself. And when I say dormant seeds, I really mean they're sleeping babies. These are sleeping babies that are in, that are in your palm. And with a lot of love and care and moisture, they will wake up and turn into a beautiful plant. Whether it's corn or sunflowers or lettuce, observe their colors, observe their energy. I'd like to ask you to close your eyes, hold those seeds in your hand. Give these seeds a happy thought. You can even give it a name. I'm going to call one of these Joey. Joey can remain dormant in a cold, dark place until early next year. And Joey will be ready for me to wake him up and watch him grow. Do you know each seed is one plant or one tree? So go ahead and open your eyes. Look at your baby seeds and realize that these are actually alive. They're just asleep, just like babies. They're just asleep. 
Okay. Also know that each seed that's in your hand is one plant. So when you see oak trees in our California landscapes, that just came from one seed. So the power of seed is phenomenal. Please go ahead and put those seeds in your pocket. Make sure you keep those seeds in a cool, dark place when you get home. And early next summer, try to plant them. Sprinkle a little bit of water on top of their heads. Just like us when we were children, if your parents would drop a little bit of water on your head, what would happen? We would wake up. That's what's going to happen to your baby seeds. They're going to wake up and grow. This is an image of various seeds. Um, a lot of them are actually things that we eat. We have corn, we have grain, we have rice, we have lentils. So there's a variety of seeds. Even the split pea. However, once it's split, you're basically cutting that pea in half. So it's no longer viable for life. However, it is a nutrition, a nutritious pea to eat. Allow me to transport you to our first seed bank in California. This is Rancho Santa Ana Botanic Garden. And their seed bank was amazing. This is their mission statement. The seed conservation program at Rancho Santa Ana Botanic Garden is responsible for the management of the garden's seed bank and seed collecting endeavors. The seed bank is comprised of over 4,800 accessions representing more than 2,100 California native plant species. Through a memorandum of understanding with the State of California Department of Fish and Game and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, the garden is authorized and regularly utilized as the principal repository of germplasma, collections of rare, threatened, and endangered California native plant species. When I arrived, I got a chance to meet the manager of the seed bank. And the first thing he had asked me was, are you really going to build a water wheel? And if so, is there any interest for you guys to build a seed bank? Because from what we understand, you're currently investigating how riparian plants can cleanse the Alley River water. We are very, very excited that if you guys do build a seed bank, that we can contribute some of our seeds to your collection and vice versa. So that was really cool to hear. But didn't you have a seed back here? We did at one point. About couple, uh, I would say it was probably in 2009. We did, have a seed, uh, we did have a seed bank, but we weren't properly storing them. So we had a lot of um, insects and rodents come and get them. So hence the reason why we tried to distribute as much seed as we could. After collecting the seed from the field, the next step is to clean and process them in preparation of being stored for a seed bank. So here are some, some tools that Rancho uses in their facility. They have this really cool contraption called a seed blower that I've never even heard about. Mind you, I'm a novice here, okay? So I'm only, I'm only repeating what I saw and what I learned from my, my visits with them. A seed blower utilizes airflow, which is generated by a blower motor, and as the air passes through the column, the air lifts light fluffy material, or empty seed holes, or empty chaff, in other words, into the top beveled area.
while the larger, heavier goodsie stays at the bottom. So that's one method of them cleaning off the chaff from the seed. The other method is by hand, and they use sieves. And sieves are useful to remove chaff from the seed. So these are standard sieves that I actually saw in every seed bank. This is just a very simple pan with, with uh, perforated holes, depending on the size of seed that you're going to cleanse. And you shake that seed and you remove the chaff. They also use 3D microscopes. This is in order for them to dissect and cut open the seed under a microscope um, in order to assess the quality of collection after cleaning. So what they're trying to find out is how do they, I'm so sorry, how do they make sure that the seed is viable? They take a large percentage of those seeds that have been cleansed and they put them through this um, 3D microscope and an individual will cut the seed open and check to see if there's any infested, um, if the seed has been infested with insects or if they are actually not developed seed as well. Hence the reason why they use the 3D microscope. They also have a drying chamber. So after the plants have been dried, if for whatever reason, in California we have humidity, if it's too humid during the time they, they, they harvest the seed, they also put it through this drying chamber. And it includes um, a seed humidity thermometer and a perforated metal container with silica beads. This thing was actually constructed by them there. It's just you an aquarium. You know like those, those little packets that they put in like your clothes and they put them in your jerky and stuff? Yeah. Those, those are just, they, they're absorbent, it's an absorbent material, so it's yeah. silica, this silica beads. This is just filled with silica beads. Okay. It's a perforated metal container. The silica, silica beads are going to suck the moisture out of the air and out of the seeds. And then you can actually recharge these every once in a while. We just bake them, and it dries them up, and then you put them back in. Interesting. And for the first, like, five years of storage life on seeds, this is the most important thing. Get them dry like this. Mm -hmm. So the, then, then the freezer is also quite important. So the super seeds are start frozen. Mm -hmm. So you guys can see it's a very simple drying chamber that they actually made there at the seed bank. It's just an aquarium with some silica beads and a humidity um, uh, gauge inside. Once they are the seeds are sufficiently dried, they then take them into the long-term seed storage, which is just regular freezer. I was under the impression I was going to walk into a freezer, but no, it was just a regular freezer. All seed banks freeze their seeds for long-term, I'm so sorry, all, all, seed, all seed banks freeze their seeds for long-term storage. Humidity is one of the greater concerns with freezing as a, as a blast of warm humid air or froze, on frozen seeds can damage them. So a like I said, a lot of danger. These racks are amazing. Yeah. You guys created these yourselves? Yeah, um, yeah. Our, yeah, my predecessor here built these. So in my previous life, I actually used to work for a law firm, and I used to love filing away all of our documents. So when I saw this, I geeked out. I was like, whoa, this is so cool. Everything's filed away in the freezer. And... Their data collection is in actual physical files, but also they file everything on computers, so they have a backup. 
And this is just a regular freezer? This is just a regular freezer. Yeah, So when negative 2.3 Celsius converts into Fahrenheit, it's negative 9.4 Fahrenheit. Yeah, so it's below freezing. That's a good question. I don't know. But I'll get back to you on that. Um, yes, they bring them out and then they put them in a germination chamber. Right, because they want to learn what is the percentage of germination in that seed bank. Let's say it's just a tube and there's 100 seeds. They want to learn if 75% of those seeds are going to survive the 30-year storage or 100-year storage that they've had. So the next seed bank I'm taking you to is in Arizona. And Arizona, as you guys know, is arid climate. So it's pretty dry. I fell in love when I saw this. This is their seed bank. To the right is a, um, a rain catcher system. And this is their mission statement. Native Seed Search protects and preserves arid adapted crop seeds to nourish a changing world. The mission of Native Seed Search and search stands for Southwestern Endangered Arid Land Resources Clearinghouse is to conserve, distribute, and document the adapted and diverse varieties of agricultural seeds, their wild relatives, and the roles these seeds play in the cultures of the American Southwest and Northwest Mexico. When I saw Northwest Mexico, I couldn't believe that they actually go into Mexico and they ask people from Mexico to supply their seed bank with a little bit of their seed. This is of course the famous New Mexico chili and they're drying it for seed storage in the future and also for beautiful decoration. The other thing that I was so amazed by Arizona is how much vegetation they have. I was so impressed. Everywhere you drove, it was like forest of mesquite um, trees or, um, or sometimes I would say like blue palo verde forest or willow. The picture to the left are actually, um, there's, there is a dry creek, but there's dry creeks everywhere in Arizona. And it's interesting because it hardly rains in Arizona. It's only the thunderstorms is when they collect a lot of their water through these dry ditches. And of course, through infiltration, that is how this vegetation is phenomenal. The other thing that I noticed about Arizona is that most of their vegetation is native to their region. So because Arizona isn't as developed as Los Angeles, there's still a lot of dirt and there's still a lot of vegetation that captures their thunderstorm rain and absorbs it into the earth. And all these phenomenal forests are all over Arizona. Tucson, Arizona specifically. So now I'm going to take you into the Native Seed Search Expanded Demonstration Educational Garden before I take you into their seed. We seed have search. acrobatic ground squirrels here, which is, <laughs> which is great for them and uh, hard for us because we're trying to grow things. So um, we're in, we ended up bearing hardware cloth um, next to the 
but it said in the BBC that is within the Oya, there's a little air escape at the end here that will be sticking out of the ground. And the other side will be connected to each um, row will have its individual rain harvesting barrel. So we can just turn that spigot on, the Oyas will fill up at least halfway, hopefully 75%, you know, to allow for some air in there. Um, and then the squash and everything else will be able to feed off of that as it, as it does with Oyas. I thought that was dope. To see what they're doing there in order to conserve water and to use their resources there to their, you know, to the best of their ability was phenomenal. So the, this clay plot um, with the PVC going through it is actually their custom irrigation system. They're going to hook it up to the ends. One end is going to be hooked up to a rain barrel which then is going to be opened. And then the water. Exactly. Then it drips into the soil. Right. Well, these actually, these pots will be buried in that ditch there to the right. Mm -hmm. So they just took flower pots? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Simple. The other cool thing about the seed bank is that they have extensive workshops, educational workshops, and a lot of them are actually free because the communities that they serve are underserved communities, so a lot of folks don't have the means to pay for these workshops, but they're still doing it. Now I'm going to take you guys into their seed bank, and which was cool is that they have a walk-in refrigerator. In terms of species, the largest number of certain species we have is um, mice. So we have just about 600 different accessions of corn. Yeah. Wow. And, and this actually, this is not at all a physical representation of the whole collection. This is solely what's in distribution right now. So our original accessions, so all 1,800 of the accessions live here um, in the deep So did you guys see the difference between the regular refrigeration, which is all the seeds that are in the regular distribution in the regular refrigeration are for distribution use. So those are live seeds that they're continuously distributing out into the community and having them bring back. And in the deep freezer, those are the OG, the original seeds mm -hmm. that those baby seeds came from. interesting. I saw so many different ways that people are storing their seeds, whether it's through plastic containers, glass, even like, I even saw some people storing them in like Ziploc bags, which I know that it's not great, but we also have to acknowledge that some of us don't um, intend to store those forever, that they're probably only going to be stored for the next season. These are all the variety of seeds that Samantha Martinez, who's an ethnobotanist at Native Seed Search, is explaining about. Number is, wise, is the largest amount is corn, next up is beans, squash, 
preserve some of the crop with wild relatives or wild progenitors. Wow. So, you yeah. know, you know the seed. Yeah. <laughs> We were just talking about it last week. Last week yeah. yeah. It had the shortest season of any plant. Right. It grows on the rainfall in Arizona, which is 10 to 12 inches a year. That's right. That sprouts and goes to flower, and then we think the plant is dying out from the beans. That's right. It's, it's beautiful. It's a remarkable it's little plant. And right. Delicious. Absolutely delicious. So we were talking about, you had asked, um, Ron, you had asked about the germination chamber, and here's where they're going to explain. So the purpose of this seed germination chamber is to assess seed quality and the viability and, the, and to predict the performance of the seed and the seedling in the field. Native seed search is mandated to use germination chambers, which will be explained by Samantha in this following video. slide I'm going to take you into their seed lab and their seed lab is used for germination testing, seed packing, seed processing and in addition educational workshops. So this is just a big room and this is where they do a lot of their activity. Did you also know that they have a retail store? So not only are they a non-profit they're also a for-profit and this is how they support their free educational programs and also how they're able to distribute seed into Mexico. Because there's a lot of customs and legalities um, when, you, when you send seed from one country to another. And through this effort, they're able to do that. The other thing that I found amazing is that their volunteers are the only ones that actually packet their seeds. And they've had volunteers for almost 20 years now. So you know people are super passionate about seed when they tell you that. The picture on the right is an olla. They also make their own ollas on site as you guys heard in the previous um, video. So now I'm going to take you to New Mexico. And New Mexico is actually a semi-arid climate. And this is Rio Grande Community Farm. When I saw this, Wow, how cool. Why is this so green? Where are you guys getting your water from? Because the rest of New Mexico is super dry. Well, little did I know is that they have sequias. 
or a sequia, which is a community-operated watercourse used for irrigation. In the American Southwest, a sequias are usually historically engineered canals that carry snow runoff or river water, and in this case, this water is coming from the Rio Grande. And later on, I'll show you a picture of what the Rio Grande looks like from the air. Holy cow, it is amazing. All you see is this beautiful, like just a beautiful river, and all along the river is just green patches that dance with the river from the air. It's phenomenal. And from there, they've created, the Spaniards created these acequias that direct the water into their agricultural or ranching um, areas in New Mexico. The unfortunate thing that I heard about while I was there is that they're now being threatened uh, due to development and lack of farming in the region, which is really sad because they're phenomenal. I can imagine when, when bending the river back into the city, which is one of Lauren's projects, is in place, that if we are flying over the LA River, we will again see the LA River dance with these beautiful green agricultural areas. Hopefully one day. So this is their mission. Their mission is to connect people, earth, water, and wildlife in an urban setting by farming sustainably, enhancing wildlife habitat, educating our community, and providing fresh certified organic food to diverse populations. Their seed bank was minimal, super simple. They just have things in jars, plastic jars, glass jars, and it was in an old trunk in somebody's house. I was like, okay, that's cool too. But that's how they distribute a lot of their seeds. They have they distribute their seeds into their community um, growers, and then the community growers then bring back some seed for them to put it back into their seed bank. The next location that I visited in New Mexico is called Epic Seeds. And Epic Seeds has an incredible farm as well. These are zinnias, and they grow zinnias for seed as well to sell. Some of us know about Epic Seeds through Quachalum, and Quachalum is, um, is translated into Mother Earth. They're a farmer's association, a Guatemalan-based Mayan-run organization that was created to rebuild communities in the aftermath of the Civil War and the Amio farms in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Epic Seeds will grow a global network of agro-economic opportunity for indigenous cultures and farmers everywhere, from rural spaces to urban rooftops. Epic Seeds strives to strengthen cultural identity and celebrate the act of growing. So Epic Seeds is also collaborating with Garden's Edge. And those of us that were here a couple of uh, weeks ago, we actually had Quachalum here, to, and they did a beautiful blessing of the land and to ask the river for permission to bring it back into the city as well. If you guys are not familiar with Quachalum, I highly recommend you guys check them out. They too. They have a long-term seed storage, which is in a refrigerator, but they also have a regular seed bank in a shelf. And as you can see, they're not very fancy with their labels either. And what they're also known for are their garlic. Their garlic is amazing. I've had some of it. It tastes really good, and it does really well in California. Now I'm going to take you to my favorite seed bank, <laughs> Tezuque Pueblo. 
This is their seed bank that they built on their own. And before I take you in, I just wanted to read this because we are truly, truly grateful to the governor of Tezuka Pueblo and the Tezuka people for granting Metabolic Studio the permission to visit and document their seed bank and farm ones. So you can't technically, you cannot technically walk into their pueblo. You have to ask for permission from the governor and the people to, for them to allow you to visit their farmland and visit their seed bank. Seeds are a source of life. Seeds contain millions of years of biological and cultural evolution, and they are the future. Seed freedom is the basis of food freedom because seeds are the first link of the food chain. Seed freedom is threatened by genetically engineered seeds. These seeds contaminate our farms and threaten the freedom of farmers. To the right, you'll see, if you notice, this building was actually made with straw bales and mud. It was really awesome for me. But before I went into the seed bank, I had to do a little bit of work. I actually had to go out into the field and help them weed. And what we weeded was not fun. I don't know specifically what species of plant it was, but it had lots of thorns. And coincidentally, I was there at the same time with this youth group from San Francisco, and their name are Urban Campesinos. And Urban Campesinos are currently living in the underserved communities of San Francisco, and unfortunately, due to gentrification, they're currently being displaced. So they're trying to educate their families and their community on how to hopefully stop the displacement of their small space. It was so fun to see the, these youth get on the back of a truck because, of course, before they were born, we were able to drive in the back, or we were able to kick it in the back of a truck while people were driving us, but this was actually their first time because, of course, now it's against the law. I also saw this beautiful oven on the right-hand side, and the skies were phenomenal. Let me introduce you to Emigdio Bayon. Emigdio Bayon is a gentleman, he's Inca, and he's actually from Bolivia, but this was one of his dreams to build this, um, this seed bank. Here's a short video of Emigdio. This is before he built the seed bank. Traditional seeds. Why? Because my traditional seeds, they don't need any type of chemical. They grow in these conditions. Connection with the mother nature and connection with the human. My name is Emigdio Bayon. I'm coming from South America, from Inca Indian people. The farm is Tezuke Farm. It's an organic and biodynamic farm. The most important thing the Indians giving to the world is the food. We can talk about corn, and then we can talk about quinoa, we can talk about amaranth, we can talk about so many, so many. If you have seeds, you can survive. I believe these seeds, they are alive. This seed bank is going to be storage for seeds from the pueblo, from the community. Also, other Indian pueblos, other Indian communities, they can bring his own seeds and put in this 
seed stones. Everybody can have access to the seed bank. They have inside the seeds almost all the expression of the land. Seeds is life. So that video was actually filmed before he had built the seed bank, and here's now. This is what it looks like. He has a greenhouse to the right. He has a meeting space in the center. He has water tanks, collection water tanks. And this is how it was built. Before we talk a little bit about the seed bank, okay? and then one of the things we, we are beginning to do was to think where, where we can do a seed bank. Finally, we say we're going to do it. And we start with the ideas, the dreams, okay? And that's what I said to you, probably when you're going back to the place, we can think in no making, maybe not building like this, but this, a place where you can say this is the future for my community, family, me, okay? This building, actually, we are starting to do a lot. So as you heard, the east and the west was built with straw bales and the north was built with adobe. And this is an example of how the whole facility is actually off the grid. Go back over there and then you are going to see the top of the roof, the solar collector, the heat collector. We're making only with some type of the black material and some metal material there to control that. And then all the heat coming from here and going inside the box. The box wow. is a dehydrator. Okay. takes care of it. So Emigio manages most all of the farm and then he has youth that he pays through grants to come and maintain the facility, the farmlands and for weeding and everything. He also has volunteers from the community that come to help uh, clean, clean seed or dehydrate or even sell. Now the next video is my most exciting video. This is the underground seed bank. If you're a seed geek, then you'll be excited. <laughs> We're going to go downstairs, okay? You can begin to see it over here, it's a little bit bumpy, right? It's a star, the entire belts over here. Entire. Each of these belts, they weigh approximately between 
two to 1.5 ohms. How we put these guys? We put it with, with the backhoe. So can you see the indigenous constructions of buildings in South America, Central America, or North America? These guys, how they move these big rocks? Can you imagine? How they put the lines when you see these pictures in Machu Picchu and mm -hmm. then and Sacsayhuaman all this type of the things? How they put between rocks? These guys don't use any cemental support all the way from the from the top areas. It's that what I said myself. It's so amazing how these people do this type of the things. Okay. Anyway. So those bumps are actually tractor tires that they use as a foundation. You can begin in the feeling the temperature. The temperature dropped okay. 30 degrees as you walk down. It's phenomenal. You can see. Bumpy, right? He also asked permission before entering. This is the inside of the seatbelt. So once again, not very technical. Not everything is data. It's more traditional seed saving, but it's actually working. They actually are able to distribute seed to several tribes in New Mexico and have them return seed to them. Yes. That's a good question. So um, you, when you are saving seed in this manner, where you don't have refrigeration, you want it to be a cool, dark space. So possibly like between 60 and 75 degrees, that's the, like the perfect temperature for them. A little cooler would be better because then they're more dormant. They'll be snuggled in to go to sleep for a longer period of time. But if you have a space that's like a dark um, closet, you can just put your seeds in a, in, a, in a jar, close it up, and put it in the back of the, the shelf. Any more questions? No? Nope? Okay. What was the temperature down there? So upstairs um, was probably about 97 degrees out in the land. And when you got down there, they don't have a temperature gauge. But I have to say it was probably like 65 to 70. It was really comfortable. Dramatically different. Right. I, I wonder if, you know, maybe they have, like, good success with that because, I mean, some of the seeds that, you know, like, you're going to get, like, California native seeds, mm -hmm. they might never experience a frost. Right. You know, where there's the temperatures that they like. So yeah. hard day of work in the field. I got a chance to take a picture with Mr. Emigdio, which was awesome. That was really beautiful. And behind me is actually a field of sunflower plants that are going to go to seed, and he's going to store in the seed bank. And that concludes my presentation. Anybody have any questions? That's the next one I want to go check out. 
There's another, there's another seed bank in London. Lauren is currently traveling in London, and I asked her, please go to the Kew Botanical Garden. It's, uh, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. It's K-E-W. They have an incredible, it's called the Millennium Seed Bank. So she's there now, hopefully, checking it out for us. they don't really keep track of anything they don't even keep track like the, the only label they have is the is the type of the it's just the common name they don't even have the species name they don't even date it it's just so low key but it's beautiful down there yeah anyone else no. yes ah good question so these are all random pictures of my trip that I couldn't insert into my presentation, but I was glad that you guys are asking me. So that geodesic uh, dome is made out of pallets. That was found, that is actually at the, um, the Rio Grande community farm, and you walk in and you hear the buzz of bees. There, it's, it's connected to a solar panel that is then connected to an audio, and it's kind of like a, it's just, you, you walk in and you feel like the bees are hugging you with the buzz. It's like it is phenomenal. Yeah, let's see the temporary beam. I want to get some of those. We definitely need those here. This is just the just the frame of what is you know what the the wall was made out of, which is straw bale. Yes. I'm sorry. Can barely hear you. Uh huh. Yeah. It seems like on one hand. That's the way to get them wake up. Yes. But also that's the way to ruin them. So like, how do you, at what point water is beneficial, at what point it hurts it, and also, is there a time in nature that seeds are preserved? Because water uh -huh. is pretty much, like, can they be preserved in ice? In what? Ice. In like, ice. Let's say like, is that the condition? That, so that's okay, so the relationship between water and seed, when it's a baby dormant seed, the ba what it needs is just moisture. Once it's a plant, then it depends on the species of the plant of how much water it needs. You can actually drown your plants if you give them too much water. And your second question? Is there a place in nature where seeds are preserved? Well, or seeds are actually, seeds are constantly being discovered where they're actually being, like right now with our climate um, change that's happening. A lot of frozen seeds are being are being exposed and are actually sprouting that have been dormant for thousands of years, thousands of years. So yes, they can be preserved longer if they're frozen. Um, but every day, if you walk around and you notice, like if you if you're a grower or a gardener, you'll notice that the plants will go to flower, they'll dry up, they'll drop their seed, and you won't see any sprouts until they have like their their they have a genetic makeup where they know when to wake up after the rains. So they'll preserve themselves until the right rain comes along. So it's not just any water. There is a time. There is a time. There's definitely a time. Anyone else? I'm wondering. Yeah. What, um, is there a cold temperature that would destroy them? How far, you know, what the what the negative Celsius would be to be able to destroy them? Yeah, right. 
I just happen to know that the cucumber no, that's good. the perfect storage is 10% mm, Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm still a novice. I'm just, I'm just a grower that saves my seeds in bags and put them in a trunk, and then I know when to bring them back out when I'm ready to plant them the next season. Thanks for sharing. the latest Explorers Club session. For more information, please visit metabolicstudio.org. And thank you.